Hello, this is Emily Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. This is the way. Welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, our guest, you've probably seen in shows like Moonbase 8, NCIS, American Woman, Chicago Justice, Apple TV's Beauty and the Baller, just to name a few. Man, that IMDb is long, but you've probably seen her most recently in the Disney Channel series Secrets of Sulphur Springs, where she portrays the character Jess Dunn. We welcome actor, producer, and writer Deandra Lyle. Deandra, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome to have you. We're going to have a good time. We're going to kick it off in our retro roundtable talking about some of our favorite Disney movies and quite a well to pick from. Absolutely. <laughs> when I started getting online and looking around for options, I things that totally escaped me, movies I hadn't seen in years. So I'm excited to talk about that. And then we're going to turn our uh, full attention over to Deandra and talk about her amazing career. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to our website, cannedairpodcast.com, and click on that Patreon link where for $5 a month, you get access to a catalog of uh, other projects we've done, the Canned Air Patreon pod. What else we have? Uh, The Comic Uh, Vault. The Traumatic Episode. The Traumatic Episode, (laughs) the episode that went horribly wrong with a hero of ours. You want to hear us uh, melt into our shoes, (laughs) Patreon's a place to do it, people. And uh, don't forget to go to evergreenpodcast.com, Evergreen Podcast Network, the network we're proud to be a part of. Lots of other great podcasts on there, so uh, check them out, evergreenpodcast.com. Randy, am I forgetting anything? So however you're listening, uh, if you feel so inclined, please uh, leave us a like and a uh, you know just give us a review. It uh, mm. really goes a long way. So. Reviews help so much, much more than you know. It's not just fluffing our ego, people. <laughs> it helps get us exposure, so... All right, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! I'll be back. (laughs) All right, favorite Disney movies. Randy, why don't you show us how it's done? So uh, right off the bat, um, I always love the uh, DuckTales series on uh, Ooh, Disney. Ooh, yes. Um, and then they actually came out with the uh, DuckTales movie, A uh, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, which I wore the crap out of on my VHS. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rip Taylor was the genie in that, too, so that just added like a whole nother um, <laughs> level, <laughs> level of, of it. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, but uh, it just the opening sequence where it was kind of like Indiana Jones. Sure. It just it it very much uh, was a big part of my childhood. He's got to be one of my all time favorite uh, Disney characters, period. Scrooge. Uh, I remember like the Christmas Carol with him. That was something I grew up on. Uh, And even like the old comic books of Scrooge were just so entertaining to read of the Carl Barks comics. That's a good pick. I've never seen that movie, though, but the series was damn good. You need to watch the movie, man. (laughs) (laughs) DuckTales fan at all, uh, Deandra? 
remember the DuckTales, but I think I was, I'm, I don't know, I might be a little older than you guys. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I certainly did, don't I look remember, it. Well, I remember when it would come on after school a lot. So I remember okay. that, that was definitely an after school program. But I mean, I'm familiar with it. But Scrooge, definitely. I'm definitely aware of Scrooge. He's pretty darn awesome. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that money bin. It's funny. I've seen memes about it where, uh, you know, in the cartoon, he would always dive off the diving board and go swimming through his coins. But how dangerous such a thing would actually be. How many broken right. limbs you would have. You might as well just dive into, you know, solid concrete. You might as well, yeah. <laughs> All right, Deandra, how about you? A favorite Disney uh, series or movie? Okay, so I had to really think on this. I, I dug in the crates, and honestly, I didn't really realize this was a Disney movie until today, but there was a movie called The Watcher in the Woods from 1980. Okay, this is taking it back. Now, mind <laughs> you, I was pretty young then, okay, so but it, I was a little older when I discovered it, but um, it's a you know live-action film mm -hmm. with Betty Davis, and, and there's mystery, and, and it's interesting because when we talk about my show later, there might be a little correlation there. But uh, The Watcher in the Woods was always one of my favorite movies growing up. And I'm happy to know that it's a Disney movie. So I don't know, have you guys? I yeah, haven't I've seen, seen it. it. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's, it's really good, yeah. Yeah, it's really spooky. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I remember <laughs> it being dark. And then I think yeah. at the in the beginning, like it being Disney, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Disney was doing some dark things back in the day. But yeah, no, it's, it's a... The Watching in the Woods was definitely like one of my favorites. And then can I can I say a couple others? Can I do I have to just say one? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, okay. It was kind of a toss-up. So The Watcher in the Woods and Flight of the Navigator. Oh yes. yes. I mean, that's a classic right there. Flight yes. of the Navigator is amazing. I remember I tried to show my daughter when she was younger, she actually got scared. I don't really know why, but <laughs> I need to have her revisit it now. But uh, Flight of the Navigator was fun. And then for the animated movies, I love Mulan and I love um, The Little Mermaid. Oh, so, Ooh, yes. I remember I when Little Mermaid came out. Mermaid. Yeah, I can sing. I was 10 years old. I had a broken leg and somebody brought me the VHS cassette tape of The Little Mermaid. And let me tell you what, I know that thing. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, especially those mm -hmm. the the music was fantastic. No matter how many times you hear it, it never mm -hmm. stops being ear candy. It never stops being just such a hook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, the crazy thing is, just I don't know. Sometime this last year, on two different occasions, I've heard people singing Little Mermaid songs and karaoke in the bars. Really? Wow. <laughs> I kid you not. I was surprised. I was like, wait, what? And the whole like the whole room was singing with them. That's awesome. Wow. Hey, at least it's not frozen at this point, right? Mix it up a little. <laughs> I, want, I need to find what bars you're going to because I've never heard karaoke night uh, do Little Mermaid. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so weird. You know, how many movies have, you know, like especially Disney films have uh, live renditions or remakes done over the years? And two that you mentioned that I'm surprised have never been done, one, The Little Mermaid, and two, Flight of the Navigator. That seems, those seem, you know, being properties they already own, things that they would revamp and bring to a next generation. I wonder why that hasn't been done yet. I think they, The Little Mermaid, I feel like, you know that they've been doing those live performances lately? Sure. You know, I think they did The Little Mermaid in a live performance type thing. So it wasn't like in the movie theaters or anything. Like a stage performance. It was like a stage play, like, but taped, you know, live. Sure. Um, I think they did that like a year or two ago, but, but yeah, I don't know. But some things are left, you know, right. untouched. I don't know. Sure. Everybody wants to remake everything and I don't understand that. 
Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> it just seems like something they would do, you know, seeing how right. they did uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and uh, Mulan. And yeah. I'm sure there's others I'm. Oh, yeah. That are not coming Lion to mind. But yeah. Lion yeah. King. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Damn good picks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one that came to mind for me that, boy, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with that I totally forgot was Disney. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. I mean, I was obsessed with this. <laughs> I I remember I would go into the backyard and just kind of like get down on my hands and knees and look down into the grass and being like, boy, if I could shrink, you know, what would I do here and there? And like. <laughs> Also, there was also a point. How old would have I been? I think that was 1989. So I was like eight or nine years old, and I guess I still hadn't had a grasp on reality. You know, like like <laughs> shrinking technology can't really happen. And I was obsessed on like I'm going to make one of these things somehow. I got on my Lego bricks, some empty boxes. I Toilet was paper rolls. I was going to make <laughs> this work, but um, you know, reality obviously came in and smacked me across the face a few times, but. Did you guys yeah, ever? It's possible, man. You know, we never know. <laughs> well, it'd be cool to live to see such technology come to be. That's for sure. But who knows if we will? Did you guys ever visit? I think it was Epcot that used to have the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience experience back in the day. No, that would have been cool. I've only been to the uh, Los Angeles. I see. Universal and all that stuff. I haven't been to Epcot, so that would have been cool. It was cool. I mean, you, everybody sat in a the theater with 3D glasses on. And, you know, on the screen, it was um, Rick Moranis' character. I can't even remember uh, what his name was. Is it, do you guys remember it all? I don't remember. Name. It's irrelevant. I remember Auntie's name, the, the aunt. I remember Auntie. Selinsky. His last name was Selinsky. Anyway, it's irrelevant. You were at one of his uh, presentations for his shrink ray, and something goes wrong. The ray t uh, tilts toward the audience and goes off, and it shrinks the entire audience down to, like, the size of a shoebox. Wow. And so, like, their dog, Cork, would come in, and the dog's nose would come in uh, through the movie screen. And with the 3D effect, like, the dog's head was above you, and you could feel like uh, like the lab mice got loose and were mm. running around. You could like feel them around your feet. You know, it was just like air effects, but it was so freaking cool. And then when the ride was over, they let you out into a section of the park. It was more of like a children's playground, but nonetheless, it was so freaking cool. You were you were shrunk in this area, like okay. tall, huge blades of uh, grass. There was one of the Lego bricks on its side you could get into That's just awesome. like they did. Uh, Auntie was there that you could take pictures on top of, a big paper clip. It was so cool, but I think it's uh, been gone for some time now. Uh, I wish I would I love to go to that now. That sounds like a lot of fun. Right? Tell me about it. <laughs> they need to bring that back. Right. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm, yeah, I hope they never, ever try to remake that. But of course, Rick Moranis, how could you? Yeah. How could you? He's a legend. He's a beast, man. That was he, he. Certain people make magic, you know, mm. and everything that he touched was magic. That's the truth. That's the truth. Uh, you know, one thing about the uh, Aladdin remake I should touch on was speaking of people's performance you don't want to touch. Robin Williams as the genie. And when everyone was saying, you know, Will Smith's coming in to do the genie, everyone's like, oh, man, how, how can you do that? How can you do that? But I was so surprised at how well he did. And not even in the fact that he was even trying to uh, mimic Robin Williams, but just how well he brought his own genie to the screen and how well it played on the audience, at least in my opinion. You guys agree, disagree? Yeah. 
I agree with that. I there's certain uh, remakes, and um, although this is not Disney, it's just to compare, uh, mm-hmm. like Karate Kid. You know, when they remake oh, yeah. with, with Jaden. Will's son. Oh, <laughs> look how that fell together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you know, like I was a little like, uh, because again, karate kid, right? Right. But I really liked their version of it because it was their take, and it was it's, even though the story was familiar, it was a a new story. It was fresh. So I think that what you're saying with Will kind of bringing his own style and flavor, he wasn't trying to be Robin. He was just right. being Will. This is my version. It can be it can be wonderful in its own right. And it's just it just shows how uh, good he is because that could have gone very wrong very quick uh, had he done it any other way. He knew exactly how to handle it. So, bravo, Will. You're probably never going to hear this, but all the same, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Randy. What about you? Another pick? So I've kind of got one, and it dovetail dovetails in at least two or three. But um, I you remember- should have say it ducktails into two or three. I huh? totally messed that up. You missed that opportunity. I'm sorry. Go, Go ahead. wait in the hall, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Back in late 90s, well, mid 90s, maybe. They, I don't know what it was, but Disney had like three or four, at least I remember, sports movies um, oh, that okay. came out that I don't think they got theater release, but they were like, maybe they did, but they were at least on VHS, is how I saw them. But you had, uh, speaking of Rick Moranis, you had The Little Giants about the football team. I never saw that one, but I'm definitely aware of it. That was great. There was just so many colorful characters, and it was kind of like a Little Rascals meets football type of thing. Um, and then you have the Big Green, which was a soccer movie, which was kind of the similar. Yes, I can remember. I remember the cover of that. I never saw. I'm not a. I'm not a sports. I don't like sports ball really. So <laughs> both of those are on Disney Plus, and yeah, it was. It, they're good. Wasn't um, I feel like that Rick Moranis film was kind of a spin on Bad News Bears, like kind of a. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a pretty fair different version of it. Yeah, like a kid friendly version. <laughs> was Was Bad News Bears not uh, kid friendly? Wasn't that the one with Billy Bob Thornton? I maybe the remake. I think the original yeah, one had the like remake had him. The okay. original. I can see his face, but I can't. Uh, Walter Matthau, I think. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. Maybe a little more edgy, raunchy, but not like. Right. Today, not bad probably. Santa level. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any other picks, Deandra? Uh, well, I'll stick with the sports. I mean, I'm still sticking to movies because I'm more of the probably movies person than shows. But sure. um, remember, the Titans is a Disney movie, and is it really? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and okay. uh, that was that one always is just a you know really uplifting, inspiring, feel good movie. And I mean, that you know certain movies, especially back then, I think so many of them you can rewatch over and over again. Oh yeah, and that's definitely one I could watch and never tire of. So. It's one of the uh, few movies I can still watch and get chills in certain parts, too. It's been so long. I don't think I've seen it since it came out, so I remember very little to almost nothing about it, but I do remember enjoying it quite uh-huh. a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. The chill Factor is up there along with that movie Rudy. Remember Rudy? Oh, yeah. Yes. Sean Astin? Yeah. Yes. He chills every time. Like, even thinking about it just now, I think I just got a <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I totally didn't even realize that was a Disney film. Well, I don't know if Rudy is, but... Remember oh, the okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. I, I think it's time for a rewatch for me. I so many movies I need to watch again. Uh, how about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That was, I remember that one. That yeah. was Disney. Yeah. That was Disney. Wow. I know. It it was so okay. I realize there's quite a few movies that are under the Disney umbrella that are also under some un- other umbrellas like Touchstone and, yes. and other things. So. 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit might have kind of been one of those dual ones because the more kind of grown people one because even though it was animation it did have some grown folks you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jessica rabbit all you need yeah. to say <laughs> well hang on yeah. if that's a disney movie does that make her a disney princess i i don't i've never seen her on any uh on little girls sweaters yeah, or anything like that you might be you might be onto something though i don't know <laughs> I mean, when 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 uh, Disney took on um, Star Wars, you know, they quit doing any kind of marketing of uh, Slave Leia in her oh, gold bikini. Yeah. So I I can't imagine that <laughs> Jessica Rabbit would. Uh, yeah, no, she's not a good princess. Fine, way to kill my dream, man. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I'm right there with you, but I, I'm, I just think it's safe to say it's safe that's, to say. Uh, that's Disney after dark. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I remember hearing, um, I don't know if it ever came to fruition. I went down this foxhole of YouTube videos, like looking at, I'm kind of a nerd with uh, past attractions at Disney or how the attraction works kind of videos. And there was a kind of like a parent's island for after the kitties are asleep or, you know, just a place for adults. And there was a whole Jessica Rabbit lounge. I think that was really the only place you saw her. Okay. Now, I don't know if that was part of the park that was just concept that never made it to fruition but it was definitely in somebody's head at one point if it never did see the light of day so but um yeah i mean what a fun movie it's you know the same kind of a thing they did in mary poppins which was so much fun too but they added so much shading and like rounding to the characters more so than in uh, mary poppins it just uh, i watched clips of it today after i decided i was going to bring it up and it still blows my mind like how good it looks even to this day mm-hmm it's nuts. Yeah. yeah, I'll need to rewatch that one because it's been decades since I've seen that. But that. Yeah, but it was a groundbreaking, you know, yeah. film in a lot of different ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And I, I, man, yeah, I need to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are there any other picks that we should uh, touch on before we move on? I think I hit my highlights. I've got mine done. Deandra? I think those are my top, my top picks. I've got a list of movies I need to rewatch now and watch for the first time. Uh, Man, yeah, so many movies I didn't even realize were under the Disney moniker. And we got educated, didn't we? We did. We did. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Deandra. So stick around. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on! All right, we are back from commercial. And again, Deandra, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be here and nerd out with us a little bit on Disney before we get to talk with you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. So let's uh, go back to the beginning. When we're talking to uh, people like yourself in the industry who have done so many amazing works, it's always interesting to see what you guys were like as a child. And, you know, so many uh, voice and screen actors have said, you know, they were very eccentric children, uh, always wanting to entertain their, their family or their friends. Would you put yourself on that list or what were you like as a child? You know, what's funny is... Um, I was more shy as a child. 
which is the people that know me now, they're like, what? <laughs> I'm not the most like outgoing, loud, you know, outspoken person in real life now, but I was more shy when I was younger. I was, I, I guess I was a little, you know, I had my awkward years. I was made fun of for years. Um, I had the Afro when it wasn't cool, you know, in the early eighties, it was that period when, yeah, I was made fun of <laughs> from third to seventh grade. So <laughs> I think that, that really, you know, added to me being a little more, you know, introverted but um but you know i i was an athlete so i always did sports uh i always was naturally good at whatever i did when it came to sports but eccentric not so much because you know even for me honestly i i didn't start acting till i was 30. so i never planned on being here so there's some people you know they can say as a child i I was always performing i knew that this is what i wanted to do right not me you know that was like that was a big surprise so <laughs> wow well that makes that yeah. it makes it even that more much in, uh, interesting because you know most people do say like what you were saying like oh well, you know i was uh, always acting up and trying to put on a show for everyone as a child and not until you were 30 you got into acting so how did that happen for you yeah it's it's weird um well i was working at a psych hospital uh as a recreational therapist which is what i got my degree in and my minor was social work so wow. all through college and after college i worked with primarily at-risk youth and children in the system or children with uh, psychological behavioral emotional you know disorders sure and so um like i said i was at a psych hospital i worked with children through adults so you name it we saw it i loved it and then i got laid off oh. <laughs> when everything was crazy and uh that's when i decided to act on this acting bug and so the acting bug i guess was kind of born my very last semester of college i took a class just because i had hours to kill and uh, it was an acting class i went to the university of iowa so um okay i i took that and my teacher told me on two different occasions he's like you have it you need to be doing this and i was kind of like Eh, you know, I got an imagination. I played a lot of Barbies as a kid, you know, I don't know, but I'm not, you know, it wasn't something I was really thinking about. And then I I left, you know, Iowa, because that's where I'm from. I think mm-hmm. you guys are from the Midwest too, right? Like Ohio. We're in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. You know, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. So I wow. was like, I have to leave, you know, so I left and, and I went to San Diego and, and I started working and then I, my job ended. I moved back to Iowa for a few years and I, I had my daughter at I got pregnant, had a daughter, and then I was just sitting there, and I was like, I don't want to be in Iowa. It's not what I want to do. And I wasn't happy. And then the acting thing was sitting back there like, hey, hey, remember me, remember me? So then I, I just, I went to an open talent call in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. Probably paid way too much money, but, you know, that's how those things are. And I had agents that were interested in me, but they're like, you're in Iowa, you know? So right. then I decided, hey, I need to see the business. I came to L.A. for a month just to see it. Mm-hmm. I did background, you know, I got my headshots taken and did all that. And, and I was like, okay, I could do this. And then about, let's see, I'm, I went from LA for after that month to Northern Virginia for seven months and then to Chicago. So I've kind of been everywhere. Um, probably about five years later is, is when I got laid off. And that's when I decided to pursue the acting because when one door closes, another one opens. And, you know, to have the flexibility to be an actor, to go to auditions, you know, you have to have flexibility during the week during the day you know and sure. i was a single parent in a city with no family so i said if i'm working full time this is going to be hard to do so uh i decided to you know take that leap of faith and try it and so i started in chicago i trained at second city for a year and improv and and everything there and then i finally made the move to la in 2012. 
Wow. So yeah, kind of a wild little girl from Iowa, age 30, I'm a single parent. I'm like, oh, let me, I want I, I can go do TV and film. And, and here you are. <laughs> and here That's I awesome. am. So. That's awesome. That's Thank inc- you. Incredible. So being from Iowa and then being in LA, that had to have been somewhat of like a culture shock. I mean, I've heard La La Land is very different from uh, the world that we know here in Columbus. There's definitely differences. I mean, I think, you know, I I lived in Chicago before I moved to LA. So I was already in a major city. Mm. I had lived in San Diego after college briefly. and, And my dad had lived in San Diego. He was in the Navy. So I would go visit, you know, here and there. I had an uncle in New York and I would go visit there. So I would I didn't, you know, I got out quite a bit growing right. up. So I had that exposure. Uh, but I mean, LA has definitely a, a different way of life. You know, even when my mom comes to visit, she still lives in Iowa. You know, she's like, I, I couldn't do this traffic. And, you know, they're happy with their little, <laughs> oh, 10 minutes is traffic. You know what I'm saying? That's right, a, right. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> but they like the weather, you know, so right. that's the, the trade off. But um yeah, very different, but you know, still you can find good people. There's a lot of transplants here and a lot of LA natives are just really good people, you know? So you find your way, but I, I am a Midwestern girl at, at heart. I love when it rains. I love when it gets chilly. I miss fall. I, I don't mind winter. I just don't need it for six months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't mean, I'm, I'm good, you know, like a month or two, I'm, I'm, I can do that, but. Well, you'd be um, loving today because the snow is a coming down out there. Let me it, tell it, you. Yeah, I, I, they got like 11 inches in Des Moines the other day. So. Oh, my God. Okay, I need to quit complaining yeah. then because we didn't <laughs> yeah. get that much. <laughs> I'm not missing the shoveling part. But, um, no. but yeah, I mean, it, obviously big differences. But, you know, it is it is what it is. It's what you make it as well. So, so you've had, like, what have been some of the biggest challenges? I mean, to, to get yourself in that business, especially age 30 and being single mother like what were some of the biggest challenges for you to break into this industry i mean you know it's true my biggest sacrifice uh was when i moved to la my daughter went with her dad temporarily because Mm. you know i when you have a child like it's important to have a support system you know and me moving to la i I had friends here you know people but i didn't have that kind of a support system and i didn't want to drag her through all those murky waters of me trying to figure it out, you know, and, and, and do that. that wasn't fair to her. But fortunately, you know, her dad and I, I mean, we're not together, but we get along very well. And he was in a place where he was about to retire. He played professional football. So oh, wow. he was on the end of his, you know, big career and, and he was married and I think they had their first child. So, you know, it was great for my daughter to go over there and spend time with her dad because that's equally important. You know, should children need both parents if you can provide that. And, and then to experience being a sibling for her was really great, you know? So she went out East to, to Northern Virginia and I went to California, of course, all the way across the country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it, and it ended up being for two years. I mean, you know, we would visit, but that was really, really the biggest challenge I ever had in that whole thing. Because as a parent, you know, you don't want everyone want to miss out on any part of your child's life. And I would never want her to have resentment because I wasn't there or, you know, what have you. But sure. I have an amazing child that's very understanding. And, and I couldn't have done this without her being how she is and without my support system with her dad, with, you know, just our family and our friends. So that was tricky. But then when I got here, you know, the tricky part is, you know, you're, you're new to LA. So nobody knows you. You're right. a small fish in a big pond. Um, agents don't know you. Casting directors don't know you, you know, and, and I got here at a temporary place to live and 
and I had met somebody from Minnesota, another Midwesterner, um, prior <laughs> to me moving here. And two days after I moved here, he texted me, he said, you ready to work? And I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, he ended up bringing me on for three seasons. I did stand-in work. So I was crew side um, okay. on The Real Husbands of Hollywood, Kevin Hart's show that oh, he had. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, was, I did stand-in work on that for three seasons. And then I worked another show and another film. And uh, it was bittersweet because, you know, you're behind the camera. You know, you're not, you're just kind of doing grunt work and everything. But it made me such a better actor because of it. Because I got to watch. I got to mm. watch all these people sure. you know, doing the thing. I got to learn what everything was behind the scenes and, and what all the crew members did. And you know what I'm saying? And everything. Sure. So it really did make me a much better actor. And it put money in my pocket. It forced me to join the union because it was a SAG show. So there were a lot of great things that came out of that. Um, and it was that you know, for the first couple of years I was doing that. And then I, at the end of that two years, I finally got a manager, I got my agents and then I stopped doing stand-in work and then I was on camera. So I, you know, was really, really fortunate to have those things line up for me, you know, wow. cause it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough business. You know, I have so many. So talented. we've heard. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's so many talented people that can't even, you know, get an agent or get an audition you know, and, and mm -hmm. just no rhyme or reason. So I'm thankful, you know, for, sure. for the luck, the favor, the wonderful, you know, team I've had around me. I've been really, really fortunate. That yeah. is so cool. That, man, your story is very unique compared to most that we've yeah, heard. for sure. Now, I was going to ask what your first uh, role was that you got. Now, you, you said that the first job was the, the was the Real Husbands of uh, Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Now, but you said that was more behind the scenes, correct? So yes. what was what was the first uh, big in front of the camera thing you got? Well, prior, so I did my first TV uh, co-star when I lived in Chicago. So that was okay. before I came out. And I did Detroit 187. It was on ABC. Okay. It was uh, one, one season. Um, so I just, I was a, let me see, I worked at, I was a cocktail waitress at the casino okay. named Mandy. And, you know, I had to, I get to, I had to hold a tray of drinks, which I have no experience doing that in real life. And I had to balance that and I had to slap one of the main actors. <laughs> all nice. wearing heels. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, oh my goodness. So um, that was my very first experience uh, with, you know, television. But when I got to LA, uh, I think my, my first TV uh, appearance was on Undateable. It was a multi-cam comedy. I can't remember the network it was on. It was also on several seasons. It was it was pretty funny. It sounds so, familiar, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, their names escape me. Who played the leads? But um, but yeah, that that was my first credit here, and that was probably two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Okay. Yeah, wow. so four years after I got here. You've yeah. gotten a lot done in a short amount of time, haven't you? It's, it's been a, yeah. And there's peaks and valleys. You know, there's times where you're like working for years and then there's like nothing. Right. For years. <laughs> and that's that's kind of where I just came out of, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, but right. I'm enjoying the ride right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Now, there, there is one thing I want to ask you about. Uh, I saw on your IMDb, you not only uh, starred in, but you produced and wrote a short called Mission mom possible and i wanted to uh, check it out but i wasn't really able to find it i just saw a quick clip of it in one of your reels and it looked funny it looked like it was going to be good can you tell us a little bit about this yeah so when i was in chicago uh one of my early mentors 
said, if you're waiting, you need to be creating. And, and he was very adamant about that, you know? And so finally I was like, fine. And I just sat down and I wrote. So writing has always been one of my strengths. At one point I thought I'd go into journalism and that didn't happen. But I wrote this whole story in two days and I just, I handed it over to him and he looked at it and goes, you know, I know a director that might want to direct this. I'm like, oh, okay. So before we knew it, we're shooting this and I'm a filmmaker. And it was never part of the plan. I just kind of wrote it to appease him. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it's just a short film that's loosely based on my daughter and I. It's about, you know, the lengths that the parents go to preserve that magic for their kids. So it's about a mom, a daughter, and the tooth fairy. Um, okay. so, <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. It's it's a fun little thing and it's not online anywhere. So I'll have to send you a link. I do I need I need to release it somewhere. Um it's only nine minutes long. But it, it did really well. It went to festivals all across the country, even one in Montreal and and it did oh, awesome. air nationally on a on a syndicated show at one point. So really? yeah, that was my first foray into filmmaking. That's awesome. The clip I saw makes a lot more sense now that you threw the tooth fairy in there because it showed you coming down the hallway in black and with night vision yeah. goggles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. Listen, parents have to go through some things, man. Yep. To yeah. That for their kids. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun little lighthearted movie that I think, you know, regardless of, you know, age, regardless of race, of culture, you know, a lot of people can relate to it. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's sure. Fun. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see that if you could send that our way. That'd be awesome. Yeah. With your daughter, you know, kind of going through that with you, is she like super pumped now that you're on Disney? Like she bragging to all her friends and stuff like, my mom's on Disney. You know, my daughter didn't even finish watching the first season yet. And we're on the next season. <laughs> <laughs> see how that is? <laughs> have to, she binge watches everything like on Netflix, okay? She will watch whole series over again. And then I'm like, hey, my show's up. Have you watched it? Oh, I will, I will, I will. I'm like, oh, okay. So uh -huh. needless to say, she is very happy, happy for me. She's very proud of me. She's kind of a quiet little force. She don't really, she, I took her to Disneyland on her ninth birthday and surprised her. And she was just kind of like, she was happy on the inside. She's like a karate man. You know, gotcha, she gotcha. just didn't want to show it. She shows excitement on the inside. You know, she doesn't like to be big with it. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's very proud. And, and actually she just, just last week, she reposted on her story a little, you know, thing about my show. And she said, my talented mother. And, you know, that was like my favorite story post, you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that meant more than anything anybody else could post because, you know, again, the sacrifices we make, but also to show her that almost anything is possible. It's almost anything, you know, she can do if she wants to. Absolutely. Um, she sees that from me. Hopefully she sees that from her dad. But yeah, she's, she's proud. She's proud. Just doesn't want to show it too much. She might be too cool. You know, these, these teenagers. <laughs> you got to keep the cards you know? close to her chest, right? Right, <laughs> right, right exactly. <laughs> now, we, let's touch on uh, Secrets of Sulphur Springs, in which the second season just dropped on uh, Disney Plus, it looks like, last week. And uh, this is a show that's uh, something that seems like two premises I've never seen together, unless I'm mistaken, but ghosts and time travel i mean it's like like peanut butter and jelly finding each other like why <laughs> hadn't that been done before but a family who moves into a haunted hotel the tremont to redo it and reopen it can you tell us a little bit about the show and your character well the show like you said uh it involves time travel and the paranormal which are both very fun avenues to explore absolutely uh, it's not you know i tell people it's not your typical fufu disney okay. you know show that's and what I was not, picking up from it. Yeah, yeah. Not to knock Fufu Disney, because we need that. 
Um, but it is something that appeals to everyone. I mean, kids and big kids. I have adult friends that watch this that don't even have kids. Okay, I have people like, what's going to happen? You know, I mean, I almost think they're more excited than the kids are. <laughs> uh, so it's it's been really unique in that sense. Um, I describe it as Stranger Things meets Goonies meets Back to the Future. Oh, so wow. Now that's an endorsement. I'm sold. Yeah, it's a high five. And it's not predictable, which I, a lot of shows and movies today are very predictable. This one leaves you guessing. And there's a lot of cliffhangers. And they've done a really, really good job of being able to do that every episode. But the show, yeah, centers on uh, the Campbell family moves to Sulphur Springs. Um, they buy this old defunct hotel. And 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 the the dad of the family, he, he grew up going to summer camp there. So he wants to buy it and, and you know, bring it back to life but it's haunted supposedly. So his son, one of his sons becomes friends with my daughter on the show and they figure out, oh, they find a time portal and they figure out, oh, we have, there's a missing girl that, that her, the dad went to summer camp with in 1990. And they go try to figure out what happened to her and is she the one haunting the hotel? So it's oh, this man. whole thing, you know, they go back in time and they actually meet their parents at their age. So oh. that's kind of fun. Yeah. So it's this whole like, you know, they're trying to solve this mystery and, and do all these things. So that was season one. And then season two, um, it kind of explores my character's daughter. Her, her name is Harper. Um, her family's storyline and history with the Tremont Hotel, which is the main point of interest in the whole show. Sure. Okay. So they go back to the 1960s, the 1930s. Oh, and so cool. Figure out what's going on and who, you know, ghosts. That are haunting the hotel who's the ghost and why are they haunting it and it, there's a lot going on it, it's a lot but it's a lot of fun it's it really does bring out that big i mean i enjoy i just finished watching season two because even though i am in it it's like i was watching it for the first time right. so i'm like oh, what happens now what happens now and, it, and it, it's just really well done it's a really well told told story yeah. awesome yeah i turned it on today i started the first episode of uh, season two and just or excuse me, the first episode of season two and just start getting hooked into it <laughs> right away. And I had to stop myself like, okay, well, if you're going to watch this, you need to go back to season one. But <laughs> You can't cheat. You got to go back to the beginning. <laughs> I mean, that's just how you know you've got a good show. It can hook you that quickly, you know, and it, it just looks like it's going to be a blast. And your role uh, uh, as the mother, uh, I'm sorry, of, of Harper, is it? Yep. I'm, so I'm just done the mother of Harper and there's a, son named Topher. So she's a parent to those two kids and she's widowed. So their father unfortunately passed away. Mm. Um, and that's something that they address in the first season. So she's raising her kids. She has her own coffee shop, uh, the Dunn Cafe. And you know, she's just as an interesting one. You see her when you see her back in 1990, when she was, a, you know, a young little preteen, she might not have been the nicest person. So, oh. you know, she's evolved and she's gone through her things. And she also has a background story with um, the father, Ben Campbell, of the other of the other family. And, you know, there's some things going on. They have to hash out some things. But, uh, you know, she's just a she's can be stubborn. She's strong. She's very loving and a little sass and uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I'm probably a lot like me in real life. So, you know, probably makes it easier for me to <laughs> well, that's just, I was going to say, uh, you know, you've kind of described yourself as such a little yeah. earlier and just the fact that you're a mother, this role had to come very natural to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this role fits, fits me. I can play mom. 
you know, and, and prior to even going in for this audition, I had made the decision to step away from acting for a while. So again, like I told you earlier, there's peaks and valleys mm-hmm. so there's times where work is very plentiful. And then there's times where work is barren, you know, and there's nothing. So for two years, I didn't work much and I just wasn't enjoying myself, you know? So I was like, I, I have to step away. I have other things I write. I, I want to direct eventually other things that, that excite me and, and that I brings me joy. And, uh, and I told my agents, I told my managers, I was stepping away. And then maybe a month later, this audition came in. I mean, I would go in on a case-by-case basis, you know, if sure. it was something that grabbed me. And uh, and this was the role of a mom, easy. Seemed <sighs> interesting. Okay, it's cool. And then the caster, casting directors are two people that I love um, that had cast me years ago and something, and I hadn't seen them in a long time. So I really only went in because of them. And then... Uh, <laughs> end up booking the show and then i hadn't worked for like two years and i'm stepping away and then all of a sudden now here i am two seasons later working. <laughs> hollywood so said no you're not done <laughs> exactly said excuse me a break no so it's just you know funny how that can happen but i am so thankful that i landed on this show just because everyone is amazing all the cast the kids are good kids on and off the camera right. the parents are amazing the producers all the crew and then we get to shoot in new orleans which i love new orleans so oh, i didn't now realize I'm that my local yeah so now I, got, I got to go to new orleans i got to go to mardi gras before the shutdown you know and and do all that so yeah i can't complain I nice. can't complain. that's so cool i'm excited to uh, delve into it because again this as little as i watched it had my attention <laughs> again ghosts and time travel what more do you need yeah. But you had mentioned, uh, you know, you're writing too. You're a writer. What kind of stuff are you writing? Are you allowed to even say? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm all over the place. Uh, as an actor, I like to do different types of roles. I don't want to be typecast. You know, I've done comedy, I've done drama, I've done you know whatever. I've been serious character. I've been rough and tough character, whatever. Um, and the same goes for my writing. I, I'm just whatever moves me. You know, there's a lot of things that I'll have ideas for. Uh, maybe a cop drama or maybe there's a romantic comedy or there's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's all over the place. It really is. Um, So just whatever comes to me, just, I like that creative side when, you know, we can just let your imagination run. Um, I I need to get back to my writing because it's very easy to get swept up into like, Oh, I'm I'm working. I have to go act. And then like my writing gets shelved, you know, (laughs) and then I get downtime and I can get to the writing and then I got to go back and act, you know? So, um, so yeah, I have quite a few things from shorts to features to, you know, show ideas. I even have a children's book that uh, awesome. idea that I I need to see to fruition. Um, and I will. It's just one of those things like they're they're all just sitting there, and I'm like, I just sure. need to sure. go and make it happen. But I just think the excitement is in variety. You know, like right. why can't you? I think a lot of a lot of people in this world will tell you, you know find your niche and and just do that. So when acting people, sometimes you'll hear people say, okay, well, if you're a comedic actor in comedy, just do that. Do hone that and do that. And then, you know, whatever. Or if you're dramatic, go do that. I'm like, why can't I do both? You know? You're like typecasting yourself at that point. Yeah, I'm like, well, why can't I? If I can do this and I can do that, why not do all of it? So the same thing with the writing. I'm like, well, this idea came to me. I like this idea and this idea came to me and I, I may have to learn how to write it or create it, you know, and figure out the whole process. It might be different for, you know, like writing a show versus writing a feature, mm-hmm. different, you know, processes and everything. And, and I'm, you know, 
but it's fun. It's fun. And I think variety keeps everything, you know, spicy and alive. Why not sure. have variety? <laughs> yeah, why not indeed? Why not? Yeah. Why can't you? That, that's kind of my motto. Like people will tell you, how can you go do that? Same thing being from the Midwest. A lot of people don't leave and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes, especially small town, you just get stuck. Right. And, and if I sat there and said, I'm going to go be an actor. I, I could go do that. Wow. How could you go do that? Guess what? I did. <laughs> and did I it well. It. You know what I'm saying? No, because yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, why can't I do that? Right. And I guess I think that way a lot of times as a woman too, because sometimes people, you know, the whole women, men thing, and I'm, I'm a tomboy at heart. You know, I played sports. Don't go easy on me. If you're a guy and I'm playing you, don't go easy on me. No, no, no. I would be upset if you let me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be right. a problem. But it's just like, well, why can't I go do that? Why can't I go and I used to play flag football? I can't, I can go catch a touchdown on this guy or I can go get his flag. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. Why can't I? And guess what? I have. So, <laughs> kind of my motto, I guess. <laughs> You uh, said something a little bit ago just about how uh, you've played so many different characters for, uh, that vary from each other, so diverse. Are, is there any uh, type of a character that you haven't played yet that you would like to play? Hmm. Well, one thing that keeps coming back to me more and more is I would love to do something in the fantasy world. Okay. Ooh, you know, like, oh, yeah. Like, I've been watching The Witcher. And oh, yeah. I love The Witcher. Okay, Geralt, all those, you know, characters. Uh, I watched Wheel of Time recently. That was really a good. Um, so I love those worlds and I would love to play in there somehow. I don't know if I'd be some kind of weird character or whatever, but I think that would be a lot of fun. And it would be fun to be maybe a villain. I, okay. I haven't been a villain of some type. So those are two that are they're kind of like knocking at my door. So hopefully somebody's listening. They say, hey, I got something for you. <laughs> and you know what if not i'm gonna write it myself <laughs> yeah, why not yeah why can't i exactly there you go <laughs> is there any character or like historical figure or hero of yours that you would love to play you know what i i can't say there is um and i will say as an actor well for me as an actor Playing somebody who's a real life person, whether they're they've passed or they're still here, to me, whew, that's yeah. you know that's a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. or sure. candy, you know what I'm saying? Because sure. you're gonna be like right under the microscope. Everybody's gonna be watching you. Like, did they do this? Do they look like them? Did they act like you know whatever? Um, so it's it's no it's no joke. Um, there's not anybody in particular, uh, but if there was someone that I felt a likeness with, that I felt like oh. I feel like aesthetically we can, this looks like the same person. And I feel like I, I connect with who they were mm -hmm. and I would definitely be up for the challenge. But uh, no, I, I tip my hat to any actor that steps in those shoes because that cannot be an easy feat by any means. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. That added, added uh, level of pressure to people picking it apart. Well, they didn't do this. So they don't act like that. Right. I mean, you're always going to have, you know, critiques from every naysayers every corner yeah you're always gonna have somebody people are gonna love it people are gonna hate it so um and as an actor that's what's gonna happen regardless even if you're not playing a real life person so sure. um to each their own but yeah i don't know i have to think on that if there's anybody in particular i'll get back to you on that i would <laughs> I, I await your answer i'm very anxious <laughs> to hear that 
Um, just one more thing I wanted to ask you is just kind of what's, uh, you know, in, in the future for you, what you're currently working on, uh, anything that you can divulge or are there NDAs in, in motion? Right now I'm currently working on auditions and hopefully a, a, a job will come in soon. You know, it's just, it's one of those things, my show, I mean, we don't know if we're picked up for a season three yet. Hopefully okay. we will be. I mean, it's getting great reviews by everybody that's been watching it. Um, but you know, nothing's promised in this business. There's so many shows that are amazing that get the ax and then there's shows that are like, eh, and they're still on. So I don't really know, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> um, so uh, hopefully that goes back and, and you know, we're back in New Orleans shooting season three, but until then, yeah, just, you know, commercial auditions are coming in and, and guest starring on certain things and film auditions and just, yeah, hopefully something good comes through the pipeline soon, hopefully. Based on your attitude and based on your willingness to kind of just go out and get it, I can't imagine that's not going to happen. And, uh, and how Hollywood is just not letting you take any kind of break, even if you want to. So. <laughs> right, right, right. But I would, I would love to do more films. So that is one thing I am trying to focus some energy and put into the universe. I would love to do features. Um, this business can kind of corner you sometimes, so they can kind of put you on the TV side or like the film side. I mean, some people cross over. Mm -hmm, uh, sure. And and I'm you know TV's fine. But, you know, for me, TV is very formulaic, you know, you, you only have a certain amount of time to get in and get out, right? You have to keep it going. Whereas film, a lot of times you can let it breathe a little more and it's just a different medium. And I really miss that medium because when I started, I started doing short films and I started doing those types of things. So I'm really trying to bring that into my <laughs> space uh, to do features. So hopefully that'll be the next thing that I have, or maybe it's something I have to write. There you go. Yeah. There we have it. Well, Deandra, yeah. this has been a joy. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad you took time to be with us today. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks, and I really appreciate it. You guys are funny. You guys from the Midwest. So when I heard that, I was like, of course. <laughs> We're family. It's Midwestern people. We know. You know what I mean? Hell we yeah. are all connected. Columbus, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not much different than the no. it, It's not. <laughs> Promise you it is not. <laughs> Can I have to ask a question now? Are you guys Ohio State fans? Uh, Not particularly. <laughs> no. Okay, so you guys are still cool with me. It's cool. It's cool. Okay, all right, cool. The, the thing, it's not even anything against the football team. It's just how rabid the fans are uh, that is what, uh, is what uh, makes me not even want to care about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. It can get nasty out there. Oh, yeah, they're I ferocious. Can. They're ferocious. And I just, I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> I want to remind our listeners to uh, check out Deandra on Instagram and Twitter at Deandra Lyle. And you do have a Facebook page under the same name, correct? Is there anywhere else I should be uh, directing people's attention? That's it. I'm not on TikTok. I'm oh, on see, now we're even closer. I really <laughs> dig you for that. I, do it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I always think of TikTok as where the worst of humanity goes to shine. <laughs> it's just the worst parts of us shine on TikTok. But maybe I'm just being a bit of a curmudgeon. I don't know. <laughs> I aged out of that. I'm uh, lucky to know how to work Instagram, so. <laughs> I'll stick with the basics. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but once again, Deandra, thank you so much for being here. And Randy, why don't you tell them what we've got on the website? Go to candierpodcast.com, check out past episodes, check out our merch links, click the button to become a Patreon patron excuse me oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh yeah so uh, if you're interested in being on the show send us a link and uh yeah email on our contacts page there and you can find us on twitter at candair pod and on instagram at canned underscore air 
and on that website, uh, well, I guess you already mentioned the Patreon. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to bring it up again, but I will uh, mention evergreenpodcast.com one more time. The network we're so very proud to be a part of. Our show with a lot of many other great shows are on there. So ch- again, check that out, evergreenpodcast.com. And I think, is that everything? I think that does it. I think that does it for this week's episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Deandra Lyle. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. This has been a Canned Air production. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.